Hello and welcome to the Hallelujah Podcast. I'm your host Grace and I am beyond excited to have you here today. At Hallelujah, our mission is to provide a space where you can grow in your faith, be encouraged and gain an understanding of God's Word. Hello everyone and welcome back to the podcast. In our episode today, how to respond to the world we're living in, we're going to be discussing something a little bit different than what we would normally talk about or talking about it in a bit of a different way. Where our normal episodes are more focused around encouragement, advice, big topics for Christians, today we're going to be talking more about culture and how to respond to some of the crazy things that are going on at the moment. I've never been someone to comment too much on culture in a formal setting like the podcast at least, but I'll definitely talk about it with friends or family and in person just because it requires so much more research about what's going on and the context in order not to give the wrong information to the people listening. But there's just been so many crazy things happen recently and in the news that I thought it really would be worth diving more into this here. So I've researched, I've looked at different articles, different videos, different topics, and we're going to talk about a few crazy things going on and unpack that today. First of all, I'm sure many of you are across the whole Sam Smith Grammy performance saga. Like what the actual heck? I was absolutely shocked when I saw the videos from the Grammys Now, I don't watch any of the American music or movie awards, so when I do pick up something, it's when it starts making the rounds on social media and the internet. For anyone who hasn't heard of what went down, you've essentially got Sam Smith and Kim Petras, I believe, performing their song Unholy at one of the biggest live-streamed American music award nights. The title of their song should be alarming in itself, right? With a name like Unholy when the definition of unholy is literally sinful or wicked. So it's obviously anti-God and anti-Christian. But even aside from that, you've got Sam Smith dressed up as Satan for the entire show. He's got a red hat with devil horns. He's dressed in an all red suit kind of thing with these leather pants. He's got a red choker around his neck. And all of the backup dancers are also dressed in full red outfits that are extremely sexual in nature. On top of that, the setup of the stage is clearly designed to mimic hell because it's dark, it's red, you've got fire going off everywhere, you've got cages, you've got bars, and it's just straight up creepy. The other thing in in the mix as well, so Kim Petras was dancing around in a cage that was surrounded by flames with dancers dressed as like stripper demons. And throughout the whole performance, so the song itself is, I mean, not great. Go and look at some of the lyrics. But it's just the way that they're dancing, extremely sexual in nature. You've got people there dressed as demons, just their hands all over Sam Smith. Sam Smith starts off the performance doing the 666 hand signal. Like it's just one thing after another that is so sexual and just disgusting in nature as we're watching it and you sit there watching and it's like oh my gosh this is on like national television happening at one of the biggest award shows how and what and why obviously this raised massive red flags for conservatives who were calling it out left right and center but even some people on the left were starting to have alarm bells go off as well As with anything, you'll have a real mix on social media and news sites because 
half of the articles are talking about how it was clearly a disgusting demonic performance that never should have happened at the Grammys, let alone anywhere. And then you've got the other half just taking the piss out of anyone who thought it was bad. For example, I have one article here that I was reading from Daily Dot and it's titled Pfizer ad after Sam Smith, Kim Petras Grammy performance sparks QAnon-esque fear of satanic Hollywood vaccine alliance. The author then goes on to talk about how conservatives are frightened that a song called Unholy featured a devil and how conspiracy theorists are linking up the sponsorship of Pfizer to this performance. She basically just goes on to bag out conservatives throughout the remainder of the article and talk about how we're all crazy conspiracy theorists taking everything way too seriously. Then I see another article from Sky News, and this one was titled Piers Morgan, who many of you would know, uh, Sam Smith's satanic unholy performance at the Grammys made a deliberate mockery of most of America. Piers Morgan starts the article off saying that dressing up as Satan in a red tunic while dancers performed a devil-worshipping ritual around him did nothing but make a mockery of the political beliefs of the 210, apparently, million Christians in the US. And I'm just going to read you out the first portion of this article too. So it goes, what's the best way to piss off half of America in less than five minutes? It would be hard to beat what the Grammys did last night when they had pigtailed filler face plumped Madonna introduced non-binary singer Sam Smith, who first came out as gay then gender fluid, and now demands to be called they to perform a duet of a song called Unholy with a transgender artist named Kim Petrus in which Smith dressed up as Satan in a red tunic, hat, and horns while dancers performed a devil-worshipping ritual around him as they and Petrus sang about a married couple who'd leave their children home to both commit adultery and then reveal it was all sponsored by Viagra manufacturer Pfizer. Now, I don't condone... Everything that Piers Morgan talks about, I do think he often takes it too far and he can be quite harsh or rude in the way that he puts things out there, but he's got a point. And there's clearly two polar opposite opinions on the performance here. Now, obviously, I sit in the camp of being pretty concerned about the performance. I have no doubt in my mind that Hollywood is run by people who have sold their souls to the devil. There is nothing about Hollywood that is redeeming and bringing honor and glory to God. And we see this with the kinds of lives that the stars are living, what music and movies Hollywood is producing and what they all value in life. It's all about the self and making it to the top, no matter what the cost is. I just think that they've been worshiping Satan in private and now it's finally gone public. There's so much mixed messaging going on too, and we saw this in a few different ways at the Grammys as well. So, for example, Beyonce goes up to accept her award. I can't quite remember which one she got it for, but one second at the start of her speech, she's thanking God for protecting her and the crowd is cheering. And then the next second, she's thanking the queer community for their love and support and the crowd goes off even more. And the same goes with the crowd when they're cheering one second as Maverick City accepts their award for winning the best gospel album. But then 10 minutes before that, they're screaming and singing along as Sam Smith makes a tribute to Satan. There's so much confusion and delusion going on in the world at the moment. And 
it can just be super, super overwhelming. Another big topic that was in the news recently that people were up in arms over was the Chinese spy balloon thing over America. It would have been a couple of weeks ago now, and I'm sure many of you have read about this as well, but uh, people spotted a white balloon in the sky that kind of looked like a little moon. And before long, it was identified as a flying object from China that was doing surveillance over America. China said that it was a civilian airship that was being used for capturing weather data and research and that it had been apparently blown off course, but people called BS on that pretty quickly. US officials say that the balloon went over a few sensitive military sites across the country and they insist that it was an intentional surveillance mission. The balloon was destroyed, uh, I think it was by some sort of uh, Raptor jet off the coast of South Carolina by a missile and the Coast Guard and Navy ships started a recovery mission pretty soon after as well to get some of the parts back. There was also a second balloon spotted a while later over Central and South America and a potential third balloon at an undisclosed location. The balloon that they um, found or, or saw flying up in the sky was said to be around 60 metres in height, so pretty flipping big and weighed around 900 kilograms and was flying anywhere from 19 to 40 kilometers up in the sky. Naturally, with the balloon coming from China, people were freaking out about how this could be used for spying and surveillance and potential warfare that was coming. So people, again, are just confused, scared. All of these articles are going around. You've got the media saying this, that, and putting more fear into people's hearts and talking about kind of the worst case and this and that. And another big thing that is happening so much in the culture at the moment is all of the videos going around TikTok and Instagram at the moment with the gender and pronoun stuff and people coming out as whatever the next thing to identify is. I've seen videos of people identifying as clown gender and telling you that their pronouns are clown and clown self. There are people who are identifying as demons and just a million and one pronouns that are hard to remember, confusing, make next to no sense and just aren't based in actual reality. Our world is having such an identity crisis at the moment and it just breaks my heart to see all of these teens getting sucked into it. Even all the stuff with uh, Dylan Mulvaney and his Days of Girlhood series. I thought for a while there he may have just been playing along because of all the attention and fame that he was getting, but now that he's actually taken that next step and he's gotten the face, I think facial feminization surgery it was called, that's just taken it to a whole other level. The stats show that there, and this is more so talking about transgender people, their rates of depression and suicide don't get any better after people transition. If anything, it just gets worse. And there are now so many detransitioners coming out and sharing their stories and just talking about everything that they've got to deal with now. And for a community that is so much about inclusivity, anyone who publicly comes out against transitioning, they're absolutely attacked by their own people who they were just a part of. And it's just, it's so sad. It's so, so sad to watch. So you get the point that there's a lot going on in the world right now. And especially with the uptake and just the 
you know, I guess the the power of social media to put things out there in front of us and the algorithms, the algorithms, everything like that. It's just, it's such a big thing and it's always in front of us just 24 seven. So given all of that, how are people responding? Naturally, people are freaking out, right? Whether it's the Sam Smith Grammy performance, the spy balloon, earthquakes or rumors of war, the woke and gender ideology crisis, the Balenciaga scandal from a couple months ago, or anything else that comes up, one of the most common responses is fear. Fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the threat of danger, pain, or harm. And this is what we're seeing today. Kind of similar to the satanic panic that happened in the 1980s, when people start to hear about the conspiracy theories in Hollywood or see demonic performances like that of Sam Smith, People naturally fear it and they're just completely overcome by that emotion. It is a threat to the world as we know it, especially for those of us who are Christians, because it shows how far people are willing to go to please the world and the devil and how far away they are from living in a Christian society with Christian morals or values. People blatantly make fun of Christians and make an absolute mockery of God. And this doesn't happen for any or many other religions not on the scale that it does for Christianity. Do you ever see big celebrities making fun of Islamic religion or Buddhism? No. No doubt in some countries they have a go at other religions more, but without a doubt Christianity is hated on the most. Christians and conservatives are labelled as woman-hating, transphobic, bigoted. The values that we have as Christians are so countercultural at the moment, so Anything and everything that we do is just seen as awful and hating on people and not loving. I can often find myself having the same response to some of these issues that are going on too. Sometimes it's fear, but often it's just sadness for seeing where the world has got to. It's easy to let our emotions just get the best of us. And I often find myself banding together with the other conservatives online and getting in a fuss about what's happening. It's all too easy just to rally behind the big voices and be up in arms about the Grammy performance and the junk circling around TikTok or anything else that has conservatives worried. But is this the right response? Well, no, it's not the right response for us to fear and worry about what is going on in the world we're living in today. Be aware of it and talk about it, sure, but not being overcome by fear and letting that rule our decisions. If we can just take a moment to unpack what fear actually is. So fear at its core is a doubt or unbelief in God and his word. It's believing that the lies of Satan and living in a state of dread, worry, uneasiness, and anxiousness. When we fear, we believe that our circumstances are bigger than God. When we fear, it paralyzes us and it makes us unable to see how God is working in any given situation. When we fear, it puts us in bondage of sin, addiction, and strongholds. When we fear, it brings everyone else down around us too. When we fear, we're fueled by our negative emotions like anger, hurt, despair, greed, envy, selfishness. Fear produces despair and hopelessness, and eventually it leads to spiritual death and destruction. Fear just destroys our confidence in God, and it gives Satan power in our lives. So given all of that, why is that not the right response? And it's pretty obvious from what we've just gone through above, but 
first of all, in 1 Timothy 1.7, the Bible tells us, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control or a sound mind, as some translations say. Another verse that backs us up is Deuteronomy 31.6. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And again, another one in Exodus 14.13, which says, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. All throughout the Bible, we are told not to fear. So we can easily rule this out as an appropriate response to what is happening in the world at the moment. But given how common it is as well, for those of us who are crippled with fear or anxiety, whether it's about what's going on in the world at the moment or anything else, how do we overcome it? Fear is overcome by faith in God, his word, and walking in integrity and faithfulness to the Bible. We see in Romans 10, 17 that consequently faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Also in Hebrews 11:1, 1, we read, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. When we can step out of fear into an attitude of faith, we're clinging to what God has said in his word and trusting in that, even when we can't see something right in front of us. So one example of this could be with the Grammy performance. When we're approaching this from an attitude of fear, all we can see is the demonic performance that happens, right? The crowd cheering, the whole world loving Sam Smith, and naturally we lose hope. But when we approach it with an attitude of faith, we know that God is bigger. We know that he is sovereign. We know that he has already won the battle and we can trust in that even if we don't see that right in front of us. We trust God's word because he is faithful and he has never failed us and his word never returns void. When we have faith in God, we believe and we trust him, we trust his word and we trust Jesus. Having faith in God equips us and empowers us to succeed and prosper and it's fueled by his unconditional love for us. It gives us courage, confidence, expectant hope and it cancels out and conquers all or fear. And knowing all of that, why would we choose fear over faith and trusting in God? I also think it's really important to remember what the Bible has actually said and warned us about. Jesus literally warns us of this sort of behavior and how it will increase before the time when he comes back. There are many verses in the Bible talking about evil and how Satan controls the world. And if we expect to see anything different, we're just naive and setting ourselves up for disappointment. So a huge part of this as well is just an encouragement that God knows this is going to happen. He knows the start from the end. He, he knows what is going on. We don't need to fear. We can trust knowing that he knows what is going to happen. God is sovereign and he is good. So we don't need to fear about the little things that we're seeing now because God's perspective and knowledge is so much bigger and so much greater than all of that. At Bible study a few days ago, we were talking about uh, an increase in debauchery. And that word really stuck with me. It's living in drunkenness, partying, drug use, sexual morality, worldliness, and basically unholiness. So the things not of God. We know that America and much of the world is the land of the wicked and we're seeing an increase in bestiality, homosexuality, and many more 
of just the the things that the Bible and God tells us to flee from. No true believer would live in such a way and the only thing to expect from this type of lifestyle is eternal pain and destruction and ultimately death. Unfortunately, this is what happens when people don't put their faith in Jesus and they do choose a life of sin. One good passage from uh, Matthew 24, and I'm going to go through verses 9 to 13, says, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. This passage is when Jesus is talking to his disciples about the things to come. True faith will be tested by deception, false prophets, and the increase of wickedness as we're seeing in the world today. So even though we know that it'll get worse, there's a huge encouragement for us in here as well because God's word says that those who endure to the end will be saved. Those who endure will stand firm through persecution, through ridicule and hatred from the world. Those who endure to the end will stand firm in the midst of this sinful culture that we're seeing. We see that wickedness is becoming more and more acceptable in our society today And the definitions of sin and gender and sexuality and morality are just constantly being challenged and changed. But God knew that this would happen. He knows everything that is to come and he is victorious. We cannot have any other response than just absolute awe and wonder and thankfulness for the incredible God that we serve. Can't you see that? It doesn't matter what crap happens. It literally doesn't matter at all. God wins. Our God wins. He has already won. When Jesus died on the cross, he said that it was finished. When we put our faith in Jesus, we are a part of the winning team. So cling to that and don't have any other attitude than faith and trust in God. And also remember that according to Jesus, evil will continue to grow alongside the good until the return of Christ and the mighty harvest. Matthew 13 says, let both grow together until the harvest. And then later in that same chapter in verse 30, we read that at harvest time, he will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. The day of judgment has not yet come. And until that day, we need to remember that there will be good wheat surrounded by weeds in the field. The final judgment is for Christ to do not for us. Everyone will be held accountable for their actions to him. So let's not try to take that role on ourselves. And honestly, praise God that we don't have to be the ones to make the final judgment. That's so much pressure. So it's best for us just to leave that up to our perfect God who is good and just and merciful. Leave it up to him. That's not something we need or should be concerned about. So given all of that, how do we respond? So three key points that I have here Number one, we trust God. Psalm 56, three to four says, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So the first thing that we need to do is trust God. Do not forget who the God we serve is. 
We serve a God who set the captives free. He has redeemed us and he is faithful throughout all the years to his promises. So trust God. And number two of how we respond is we praise. The Psalms are full of the most beautiful verses about praising God. And it's so clearly an attitude that we will always need to have. Psalm 145 verse 1 says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Let this be what we do, praising and exalting our King. Praise God for who he is and what he is doing because he is so good. And the third one about how we respond is we pray. One verse that kept tugging at me while the Grammy stuff was going on was Ephesians 6.12, which says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We need to remember that we aren't wrestling against people. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Sam Smith isn't the enemy. Satan is the enemy. Sam Smith is a flawed human just like the rest of us, and he needs Jesus. So all we can do is pray for him and pray for the situation at hand. There is so much power in prayer, and this really needs to be one of our first responses as well. Instead of just sitting around and fearing and talking about how crazy all of this is, pray about it. Give it to God. So three ways to respond that we've gone through, and they're all so quick and easy and good for us to do, is we trust God, we praise, and we pray. And a few other final takeaways for uh, this message as we begin to wrap up as well is just, number one, to get out of the perspective of this world and our minds and think about God's perspective. As humans, it's so easy for us to try to work out everything in our own head and forget that God is outside of all time. God knows the beginning from the end and he is sovereign. Give the pressure and the stress of having everything worked out. Just give it to God. Lay your burdens on him. Another one is remember, and just like we said before, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. People who have different opinions on gender or abortion, they're not the enemy. Even the worst of the worst in Hollywood aren't the enemy. So it's really important for us to remember that our battle is with Satan and his army, his demons, but also remember that God has already won. So arm up for that spiritual battle, not a battle with the flesh and the individual people of this world. Another point is loving your enemies. And in Matthew chapter 5, we're told to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. And the Bible promises that there will be persecution. So as Christians, we have to expect this. But God promises to bless those who endure hardship and persecution. And it will come, but our rewards from God are so much more than any persecution that we can experience in this short life on earth. And two more points, the first of which is do not love the world. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So love God and choose to follow him. Don't love the things of this world and get caught up in that because it won't end well for you. If there are things that the world love, like we see with money, fame, sex, drugs, partying, alcohol, all about the self, do not love that because Like that verse said, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And gosh, that scares me because boy, do I want the love of the Father in me. I don't want to love the world. So deny our flesh, deny our wants, put that aside and choose to love God. 
And then the last one is remember our mission. The mission of the church is sowing seeds and sharing the gospel. And it's hard enough for us to deal with the sin in our own lives. So don't try to call it out in the world as well, because that and the final judgment is the work of Christ. God will make a mighty harvest and he will bring his people home. And what a glorious day that will be. Focus on which bundle you want to be a part of. Seek God, pray, praise him, love him, share the gospel. Remember what Christ has done for us and just love on God. Love him and thank him for all the incredible things that he has done. And don't be overcome by a spirit of fear. So I just want to encourage everyone today in this topic when we're talking about how to respond to the crazy things that are happening in the world today. Yes, it's crazy. Yes, there are things going on that are demonic and not biblical and scary. And we know that this is the direction that the world is going in. So I just want to encourage you all, don't respond in, don't respond in fear. Respond in faith. Remember who God is. Remember his word. Remember what he has said. And band together with other Christians and like-minded people who can support you and talk about this stuff with you. We want people around us that are going to encourage us and sharpen us and not push us further into this attitude of fear. So I'd really encourage you, if you are surrounded and running in circles of people who focus on this stuff and focus on fear and make it all a big thing, maybe just reconsider some of the people that you're spending time with because it's so important for us to be surrounded by good, solid Christians who will encourage us and point us back to the word of God and what Jesus says. So I hope that it has been helpful today to talk about some of the common responses to what's going on in the world and how as Christians we should actually respond to it. So I love you all. Thank you so much for being here to listening. And as we wrap up this episode, I'll just quickly pray for us too. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you so much for the opportunity to speak on these topics today. I pray that you would help us all to come before you in a position of praise, not fear. Your word says that perfect love casts out all fear. So I lift up every single person listening to this today who feels overcome by fear. I pray for a fresh revelation of your incredible love for us and who you are. Bring us to our knees in just awe and wonder of who you are, God. Father, we just give you our our fear of where the world is headed right now. And we say that you are God, you are sovereign, and we trust you. Take away all fear and replace it with faith and love and hope and thankfulness and praise, Lord God. We love you so much and we are so excited to see how you continue to move in this world and move in the church. We love you, God, and we pray this in your mighty, mighty name. Amen. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in to our 14th Hallelujah podcast episode, How to Respond to the World That We're Living in Today. My hope and prayer is that I will always be able to point you to Jesus and that you will leave feeling encouraged, equipped, inspired, and ready to go out and be salt and light in this world. Do not forget to follow and leave us a five-star review if you haven't already, uh, if you like our content so that we can get it out and reach more people. I'll leave all the links to my website and other resources in the description as usual. And make sure you jump on over to Instagram at Hallelujah Podcast to keep up to date with our post new episodes and other news. 
Thanks so much, everyone, for tuning into the Hallelujah podcast, and I will see you all next time. Thank you.